Welcome to Story Smack. This is episode 73 of Story Smack, a podcast about stories and storytellers in the world of pop culture. My name is A.B. Sigler, audiobook narrator and founding partner at Empty Set Entertainment. And my name is Scott Sigler, number one New York Times bestselling novelist, and this will come as no surprise to anyone. My secret is, I'm always angry. <laughs> and with us, as usual, is Empty Set movie maven Rob Otto. Hey, Rob, how are you? I am excellent. Uh, clinch up, Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we on the left, go, of course, today we are discussing the 2012 um, movie, The Avengers. And before we have Scott uh, tell us about the movie man synopsis, uh, the movie voice synopsis, yeah, uh, yeah. we mm-hmm. on the West Coast, we're drinking Thor cocktails. Do you have a themed cocktail, sir? Well, I figured since we are uh, celebrating the release of Natasha Romanoff's movie, uh, mm. I am drinking a Black Widow. Oh, what a beautiful oh, drink that is. Cheers. cheers. Black cherries. Yeah. And oh, my God. Oh, what a cheers, pretty cheers. cheers. Baby, we got to go see a movie. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, anybody, if you are in the viewing yes, audience and you, you brought do. a cocktail, is it very good? If you brought a cocktail mm. to the party, we hope you tip it up right now. If you brought water to the party or nothing at all, Ooh. we Chop say cheers cookies, to you. Whatever. Happy to have you. Happy to have you. Uh, in case anybody's wondering, Thor cocktail is uh, whiskey, American whiskey honey lime or sorry lemon juice and topped off with sparkling wine it's a it's kind of a it's a little bit of a dark horse but a pretty tasty drink and the black widow the there's a couple versions of it one is with tequila but i'm not really a tequila fan so i went with vodka and i actually went with watermelon vodka because you know it's um and then some um black cherry juice and some uh lemon some fresh squeezed i suppose it myself lemon juice um, and some tonic water and, and, and a couple of black cherries. Yep. So we're good. Bunch Seems of great people in the chat room. We do this live on video. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, John Reeves, hello, David Roman, Kim Hansen, everybody. The people are giving giving us their cheers to the John Reeves. Cocktails. I know I owe you an email. We're, I'm going to get that done. Today. Yes. All right. Uh, okay. So now we're on to the. Would you give us the movie voice synopsis, I will. please? Here we go. <clears throat> When Thor's evil brother Loki gains access to the unlimited power of the energy cube called the Tesseract, Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D., initiates a superhero recruitment effort to defeat the unprecedented threat to Earth. Joining Fury's dream team are Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, Thor, the Black Widow, and that other guy with the bow that nobody really cares about. (laughs) Come on! That ain't fair! (laughs) I would also uh, like to point out that he is of Asgard, but he is adopted. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Let's get in. Let's do my favorite part of all of this. It's about money. It's about the cash. This is the craziest. I love the MCU for this reason. This is just so insane. So it was made in 2012 at a cost of $220 million. <laughs> $220 million in 2012 dollars equates um, to about $226 million today. So pretty close to real. Uh, or real-time dollars, I mean. And uh, it made... $1.51 billion at the box office, that you is... guys. <laughs> woo, woo. And then, you know, we're going to have a... that's just at the box office? Yes. Holy mm-hmm. And soon, I'm sure, in the next few months, we're going to have a, a story smack where somebody asks, like, why do we keep rehashing old stuff? Mm-hmm. I have one point. 
five one billion yeah. reasons yeah. that it's worth retreading sometimes. Yes. And to those of you who are listening at home uh, or listening in the podcast after we release this later, if you're hearing fans in the background, that is because it's it's just, it's hot as all of the superheroes' crotches are in those leather and lycra outfits. Yeah. It's very warm. It's very. You think very Iron warm. Man has the worst of it? Since he's no, he gets AC. Oh, that's true. He does get AC. I think Thor's yeah. got the worst of it. <laughs> he's got all that I can't imagine mass. he. Yes, I don't think he bathes regularly. I'm just saying that's uh, that's a crotchal region that I'm as exciting as interesting as it is. I'm not sure I'm going to go anywhere yes. near it. Uh, Casey Argles or Chasey Argles, I'm pronouncing your name right. Welcome to the show. Seems excited that yeah, she gets yeah, a chance yeah, yeah. to see us on the camera. And of course, David Lamb in there too. All right, let's uh, let's get into what's favorite moments. Yeah, so we have been always kind of doing general thoughts here, and we just recently added um, actually favorite mm -hmm. moments, and they sort of are the same thing. So we're going to talk about our fa specifically each one of our favorite moments and a little bit generally about the, the movie as well. Robbie, do you want to go first? I got to tell you, there could have been 30 favorite moments from this movie because it is just so well written, so well acted, so well directed, so well, you know, marriage of technology and, and everything. It's just so excellent. But as an ACDC fan from way back, that moment that Tony Stark flies in at Stuttgart and he he overrides the PA system in Black Widow's Quinjet and shoot to thrill starts playing over the PA system. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, yeah, okay, yep, he's one of ours. Yeah. That's that's my guy. I'm, I'm with that guy. That, <laughs> that makes sense. Just, AC honestly, was so a... many great quips, yes. moments, one-liners. Mm -hmm. Fantastic film, but that that's the one I just it makes me smile every time I see it. For sure, I um I I. I these gentlemen know this, but I had never seen that this movie until watching it in preparation for this. I can't tell you why. Oh. Um, yeah, it's such a heartbreak because it's been out for so long. It's absolutely delightful. Uh, it's it's fun and works on a whole bunch of really superficial levels, but it also works on really uh, deeper levels. If the more you know, I think, and I don't know a ton about it, but I think the more you know about the comics, it probably helps a little. But I don't think I needed to because I yeah. loved the movie and I don't know a lot about the comics. They did. That was uh, one of the key things. Like even though was true to the comics in many, many ways and delighted comic book fans like Rob and I. I don't think you need to know a goddamn thing about nope. the Yeah, comics. and I didn't know very much about it. So I'll say without a reservation, I have told the story uh, on some cast with Scott before, but when I was a little kid, my brother loved the TV show The Incredible Hulk, and I was a teeny tiny kid, and I was terrified, absolutely terrified <laughs> of the Hulk when he got green mm -hmm. and Lou Ferrigno. And I would run away and run down the hall and hide under the covers on my parents' <laughs> bed because I couldn't handle it. Because you wouldn't like him when he's angry, right? Like, that's the thing. If you know nothing else about the Hulk, you know you wouldn't like him if when he's you, angry. If you had been a little kid to see the the Mark Ruffalo better special effects version of it, I, I think you would have been you'd still be yeah. in a coma. No, well, no, I so don't know. Scary. <laughs> it's so much scary. <laughs> I actually think because there's more storytelling there, um, I, I might have been more okay with it as, or, you know, I was just too little. So that leads to my favorite moment in this uh, movie, which is no holds barred. I never get it right. I can never guess what a character is going to say. And uh, spoiler alert, uh, there's a moment where the only answer, the only way to save the day is for Dr. Banner to become the Hulk. Mm -hmm. And he walks on into that fray and they say, no, 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 you, you, what, you're not supposed to get angry. How are you? And, they, and he turns around and he says, the secret is 
I'm all, my secret yeah, is I'm great. always angry. And it moved me so much. I, I like got all teary and I was like, he's always angry. Of course he is. And I just think, you know, that I knew so little about the MCU, but yeah. I knew that. And that there, was really special. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of anger in the Sigler household, just on a regular, <laughs> just a regular state of the normal day. But my favorite part of, of all of this stuff has got to be the MCU casting director, Sarah Finn. Uh, you know, Rob and I have been immersed in comic books our entire lives. We know these characters intimately. And you look at the cast of the Avengers. Okay, a lot of people could have played Hawkeye. I, thought, sure. I, I didn't see anything out of Jerry Mariner's front. So I'm like, that was, oh, it can yeah. only be him. But he, he, trying, to, trying to top Robert Downey Jr., he is Tony Stark. He's absolutely mm-hmm. perfect. Chris mm-hmm. Evans cannot imagine a better casting for Captain America, unless he had black hair. You know, like, <laughs> like it's just so pitch perfect. And uh, Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. And am I missing one? Well, I mean, I think I do think that uh, Loki, there could have been other people who could play Loki. Yeah. I'm not sure how that will go now because of Tom Hiddleston's stellar performance and continuing yeah, in the sure. MCU. I, I'm not sure I agree with that. You uh, think only I, him? Hiddleston is yeah, so well so No, that's, the, the point I'm and making Chris is Hemsworth, he, too. Chris, well, that's the, uh, Chris right. Hemsworth as Thor was was brilliant, and then the, I'm sure the entire team went to work with Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth, like, you guys got to do some body transformations with this. And Chris, mm-hmm. and Chris, Chris Evans... Looking like he's walking around with CGI, but he's not. That's his actual body. Chris Hemsworth, but, just incredible job by the casting Sarah director, Sarah Finn. Yeah. And that's my favorite part. They um, did so good. I do think, though, that uh, Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth were relative, sort of relatives unknowns in the movies at the time. They had done sort of smaller things or not, mm-hmm. not at least because what is as big as the Avengers. But I think that those were they made the, the roles iconic in a way where Robert Downey Jr. came with like the bad boy part of him and all mm-hmm. that other stuff that he brought to, to the Tony Stark. But now I think it's hard to see it in any other way. Let's move on. Since we're talking about the actors, let's move on to the cast here. It looks like I have screwed that up. No, that's so it. Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. We Got to go back one. Uh, Got to go back one. Got to go back one. There we go. Boom. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Now, for those of you watching at home, we've got our cast pictures up and let's get into the cast. So a, there tell us a, about uh, Josh Whedon and Zach Penn. So jo- uh, uh, jo- Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon directed. <laughs> It's hard to say, hard to say. and not just real yeah, yeah. Uh, directed it. And uh, Zach Penn wrote the original screenplay as it happens when uh, Joss Whedon took over the directorial role. He hated the screenplay and he pretty much rewrote the entire thing, um, which is interesting because Zach Penn is actually sort of an, an action movie wonderkind. He, uh, has, he got his big break at 23 years old writing The Last Action Hero, and uh, he sold that in 1992. He's gone on to sharpen his chops with X-Men movies, Elektra, The Incredible Hulk, and The Avengers TV shows, and is about to script a Karate Kid 2 remake. Uh, so it's weird. Like, I wonder what that... How, how could you absolutely hate that when he's such a great action star? But anyway, um, Whedon wanted... Uh, or. Uh, Zach Penn wrote an original but loose script. Joss Whedon read it and hated most of it and would only agree to direct if he got to rewrite the script almost from scratch. Penn still got a story credit, but only Whedon is listed as the film's writer. Uh, Whedon wanted to uh, mix action and comedy and drama and cited The Dirty Dozen, Dr. Strangelove, and Black Hawk Down as inspirations where he was headed, and especially how they dealt with a bunch of people that didn't easily blend together Mm -hmm. and how day-long battles were very wearisome on soldiers. 
Yes. Uh, my favorite has got to be, of course, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> You're a big fan of him. Just, I, and I wasn't a huge fan of him until this series. I didn't, there was nothing wrong with him. I didn't dislike him at all, but I'm like, he's, he's, he's good. He's mm-hmm. perfectly balanced. Mm-hmm. He's something if he's in it. But after his, his turn as Tony Stark, it was perfect casting for him. He'd been a star in Hollywood. He's been a star in Hollywood for so long before this movie. It's hard to list all of his successes, but going all the way back to Weird Science, mm-hmm. SNL, Less Than Zero. He played Chaplin. He was in Natural Born Killers in Dreams, Allie McBeal on TV, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Zodiac, The Incredible Hulk, Sherlock Holmes, and of course, Tropic Thunder. He is a star <laughs> that has earned the success the hard way, and he's perfect Tony Stark. Now, Robert Downey Jr., uh, this uh, kept food hidden all over the lab set, and apparently nobody could find where it was. So they let him just keep doing it. In the movie, that's his actual food he's offering, and when he was eating it, if it wasn't scripted, he was just hungry. So, <laughs> Which rich. seems like a crazy, strange thing, but I read in preparation for this that he's become a vegan. So yeah. I wonder if he was a vegan all the way back then, or like kludging into it and like, Jesus, I'm well, busy. Well, you remember the on. scene where he's in, he's in the lab with, with Bruce Banner, yeah. and he, you know, he asks him a question, and when he gets it right, he offers him those are blueberries he's eating like like organic blueberries <laughs> yeah he just and so the rest of the cast got so used to it ruffalo just reaches in and grabs a couple blueberries <laughs> <laughs> just, just kept going right? but just, even that it worked it, so well together yes it works so well and even that that uh, that touch of robert downey getting so into the character that the rules just don't mm-hmm. apply to him because mm-hmm. he is that special he did that very well uh downey got so into tony stark's head that Whedon encouraged him to just say what tony would his let's just not come in tomorrow speech after landing back on earth was improvised he was supposed to say what's next he also improvised doth mother know thou weareth her drapes and he <laughs> improvised and that man is playing Galaga we didn't like the last one so much he added the shot later of the guy playing Galaga <laughs> I good. thought that just was a great moment yep. oh my just god just a great incredible. moment right yep. that's how good Robert Downey Jr. was he was Tony Stark yes so good and yeah. uh, going all the way back to look a at weird teeny science. tiny there this is a, a picture of science. a weird science <laughs> Robert Downey just Jr. Incredible. on the screen right just now incredible. now he's younger than my nephews are now it's kind of crazy but uh, absolutely spectacular guy but now let's get into the guy who really captured Thor, which I didn't think anybody was going to be able to do. I didn't think they would get a guy who was big enough, blonde enough, if you will, and able to capture Thor. Rob, tell us about Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Um, I just love his performance here. And it's funny because his first two solo movies aren't very good. I, I think they figured out what to do with him by Ragnarok, you know, when they turned him into a bit of a comic foil. Let me see yeah. some of that. Some of his little one-liners, you know, he's adopted, that kind of stuff um, that happens here. But at the time that Hemsworth um, auditioned, they actually wanted his younger brother, Liam, who's the guy that starred in the, um, uh, oh, yeah, what's the Katniss? Uh, what is uh, Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. Hunger Games, yeah, yeah, right. So that was Liam, and they wanted him first. Um, uh, and they also looked at um, Charlie Hunnam, Alexander Skarsgård, okay. Tom Hiddleston, was oh, even Thor? considered. Oh, I know. <laughs> Thor. Right. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. But um, Hemsworth just they thought he physically embodied it. He is bigger than most of the other actors. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not one of those five foot six guys. He's an actual right. sized human being. OK. Um, which just made him naturally bigger than everybody else. Uh, he had uh, he had shot Cabin in the Woods at the time, which right. was really mm-hmm. supposed to movie. be his big turn, but it didn't get released until after Thor. So he really was an absolute unknown before that movie and just kind of embodied it. He also played James Hunt in the film Rush, mm-hmm. which again helped show that um, he could handle kind of the action side of it and the right. smarmy side of the role. And he just... 
He just embraced it. It's interesting that in the Thor movie, you know, he's surrounded mostly by other Asgardians, right? He's got mm-hmm. a couple of humans that he acts with, but he's still acting on that higher plane. By the time Avengers comes around, he's interacted with a lot more humans and it just seems more human. And he's yeah. picking up mm-hmm. their snark and picking up some of their smarm. And just, there's that moment, guys, talk about how many moments there are in this film, but when when Hulk turns into the Hulk inside the helicarrier, right? Mm-hmm. And Thor comes to tackle him and Hulk throws him across the room. Mm-hmm. And there's just a close-up on Chris Hemsworth's face. And he just, he gets just a little bit of a smile. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> combat, a worthy opponent. Yep. That's Thor. That's yeah, exactly what Thor is at that moment he completely captured it and i think hemsworth does a great great job in this role the other thing hemsworth does is he went to work in the gym he really went to work in the gym and i wouldn't say he achieved quite actual superhero but like the rock has literally a superhero body right yeah but i mean johnson does amazing things chris evans nailed captain america's physique but the work chris hemsworth must have put in to get that bod to be thor in all those movies it you know as as someone who's been in athletics all my life Mm -hmm. that was an enormous amount of work enormous amount of dietary sacrifice to get that done and kudos to him and i'll also say um i found i found it interesting of course i will remind you guys i i don't didn't read a lot of the comic books. I I did read a lot of mythology, though. In fact, majored in it in my freshman year of college for no good reason. Because what the hell do you do with that? I have been married to you for every year. I did not know that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, just the first six months. The first six months. And then I was like, oh, what am I doing? Like, what What would I, what would it, how would I get a job? Um, I started as accountant my first year. So oh, yours you? is much more interesting than mine is. <laughs> when, where did you end up? Broadcasting, of course, because, you know, accountant, broadcasting. Yeah. I started there and I ended up with a theater degree and a chemistry degree. And now I publish books. So, you know, if, if, <laughs> life is weird. But my point was this. One of the things that is beautiful about Chris Hemsworth's performance in this movie is he he and Loki are brothers. The important. Uh, in the mythology, what's important mm-hmm. is that they are opposites, but but while adopted, still brothers. They're still family. Is they Loki still... is the adopted thing? Is that actual true to the mythos, or they add that for the movies? No, that's true to the mythos. Loki is adopted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, or f- raised with raised as a member of the royal family, but mm-hmm. but not gotcha. born of the royal. family. I continue. Um, and it's essential for the mischief that Loki creates for him to really, truly, wholly be understood and loved by by Thor and vice versa. Like like Loki loves to hate Thor, but loves Thor. You know, that's how it works. And uh, that's how all of that works. So to see the little bit of mischief in Chris Hemsworth, even though we don't get a lot of what Tom Hiddleston eventually brings to Loki in uh, in subsequent movies and stuff. We get some of that, but we don't get all the smarm. We don't get all the sass. We don't get mm-hmm. all of that here because he's a, he's being introduced as a villain. Uh, you sort of see the the familial link there that I think only strengthens um, their their characters as the movies go on. All right. So I now, now let's talk about the uh, gentleman who we had just an awesome superhero fight. Real quick, uh, I think Rob will agree with this. Rob and I suffered through many years of people... Hollywood people trying to tell Marvel how to make movies mm-hmm. and like basically like, OK, we'll take Spider-Man and we'll take all these people and then do nothing that you see in the comic books. Let's make Spider-Man fight cops. Let's make Hulk fight yeah. the cloud. <laughs> and when this movie came out, we got to see genuine 
actual superhero fights, balls out superhero fights that didn't necessarily, it wasn't even good versus evil. Like Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man beating the crap out of each other in the forest. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. was beside myself with delight to actually see what I had grown up with finally put on a screen with great special effects and great actors. And, uh, and it's funny you say that because one of the things that I noticed about that is you also, superheroes aren't human and that's a very human moment that they just had arguing with essentially with each other and that's kind of nice yeah. because it, it it familiarizes right. them a little bit for us let's and go on so yep. let's hold on scott yep. let's get into the editing really quick as well it's not that quick jump cut they show a few seconds of the fight before they change angles mm -hmm. and so we actually get it's to choreographed see it's choreographed. happening yeah. yes it's choreographed why not show the choreography and thankfully they did that when they edited yeah. many of these fights. And we were in the height of shaky cam when this movie came yes. out. Yep. Uh, you know, if you watch the first Hunger Games, we brought that up earlier, but the first Hunger Games movie is just, just garbage fight scenes. There's no reason for it to be shaky cam whatsoever. Yep. This movie got us away from that. So let's talk about the man who captures the Hulk. Oops, I had a bunch of other Hemsworth pictures. Tell, about, <laughs> tell us about Mark Ruffalo. So Mark Ruffalo wasn't sure that he had what it took to... Uh, be in a big, to be good in a big superhero movie. Robert Downey Jr., who of course co-starred with Ruffalo in Zodiac, so they knew each other, texted him and texted him, Ruffalo, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> and apparently that was all it took. If Tony Stark <laughs> thought he could be the Hulk, he could be the Hulk. To be fair, if uh, Chris Hemsworth ever texts me and uh, says, Robert Downey Jr., Robert Downey Jr. Singer, let's go, we're doing this, let's go. I'm like, whatever it is, I'm in. Where are the I'm keys? In. I gotta go, and I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. First. Um, the play Plan originally was to have Edward Norton reprise the Banner Hulk role from 2008's The Incredible Hulk, but mm -hmm. contract negotiations stalled, and they eventually went with Ruffalo. Oh. Joaquin Phoenix was Joaquin also considered Phoenix for the part, good. and was later considered again to play Doctor Strange. Also would have been good. He can do a lot of stuff. The Hulk bringing Iron Man back to consciousness by roaring at him was improvised by Mark Ruffalo during his motion capture performances and ended up in the final product. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's how good these people are, that they Yes, and I'm sure yes. they improvise a lot of stuff we don't see, but some of the key iconic moments of this movie where even the director and they have hundreds of people set up and lighting and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the actor is just like, it's just like they're on a stage, a community theater, like, I'll improvise this. And like, that's going in the cut. We'll and do it. Uh, there's a handful of clips while I was preparing the script for today's show. There's a whole bunch of, um, you know, like. Chris Evans or whoever, there's these people playing um, parts and roles in completely animated films. And you've seen this. It's like Brad Pitt plays a hero. Like you've seen people mm -hmm. in the sound booth recording uh, mm -hmm. their part for their animated thing. And I saw, I think it was Mark Ruffalo, but I can't remember what the show was. And he's acting his absolute heart out behind the microphone. He's not just doing it with his voice. He's moving and he's, you know, mm -hmm. it's everything. So you can sort of see why that translates. The last little bit about Mark Ruffalo is for the Hulk's voice, and this is, of course, a picture of, of the uh, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Um, the, the voice, whenever he speaks, he doesn't, as the Hulk, he doesn't speak very much, and it's a combination of Lou Ferrigno's voice from the original TV did show. Did they bring Ferrigno Mark, in? No. For, yep. Did they? They did. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They specifically recorded Ferrigno to add his voice to... And that's Ruffalo's insane. That Isn't is, that great? Isn't that cool? That is such a love letter to mm -hmm. the thing, to, to the past. Yeah, like, yeah to course, you guys. Yep, exactly. we, all, we all grew up watching the Hulk and like every week it'd be like, is the Hulk going to fight a supervillain? No, it's mm -hmm. a bear. Mm -hmm. Is yeah. the Hulk going to fight a supervillain? No, it's a bank robber. <laughs> 
And like I had to wait till I was till the Avengers came out to see anybody friggin' yeah, fighting Superman. Forty villain. years old. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, mentally, we're still twelve. And so we're yeah, yeah. totally worked out. <laughs> now let's talk about let's go one more Ruffalo and let's talk about Scarlett Johansson, which I can yeah, never jo- for the life for the life of me pronounce her name correctly. Johansson or Johansson? Johansson. Johansson. Joe. Hard yeah. J. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it? There you go. Our See, I know what I'm talking about. It's crazy. Yep. Scarlett Johansson, who I first saw. It's also Scarlett. Scar- <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Listen, I, she'll call me to correct us later. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> this actress that I first saw in Eight-Legged Freaks and mm-hmm. even in that David Arquette movie, which is a lovely, lovely creature feature. Quite wonderful. She was 15 when she did that. You're like, okay, there's... There, this is this this is the standout person in this cast. It's pretty fun, and she joined the MCU as Black Widow in 2009, and has faithfully executed the role since. She got an audition after Emily Blunt turned the role down, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, uh, she mm-hmm. breaks out. Her breakout was Sofia Coppola's film Lost in Translation. Mm-hmm. Then in 2005, crashes in the genre with The Island with Ewan McGregor. It's a bunch of bull. Her breakout was eight-legged freaks. I was standing by that story. <laughs> okay, she did a great, she did a great job, and um, you know, along with Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans, it's 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 really difficult to imagine another actor capturing this role so perfectly from you know the 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 voluptuousness of an actual comic book character and being able to capture all of the internal strife of her backstory and her backstory is super deep if you go into the comic books mm-hmm. it's super deep it's, it's of course it's she super was, dark too. it's super yeah. dark she was a russian yeah. trained assassin mm-hmm. and was taught taught to your user like la femme nikita use her looks and her sensuality to lure men and women into uh vulnerable situations and then sure. take them out oh and she was, captures all of that she yeah. does it so well and we had been talking um of course we watched the movie in advance of doing the story smack script we talked to each other uh rob introduced the our favorite parts uh part of the movie which is a terrific addition to the show when we were talking about that both rob and scott one of their favorite moments uh i think unless i'm getting this wrong was the interrogation scene oh my god mm-hmm. um oh, with so uh, good. the at the beginning when we first see black widow she's she's absolutely she's chained to a chair she's absolutely being tortured and then her cell phone rings (laughs) and it's a beautiful thing it's a really lovely thing because without even trying or well no i think purposefully trying but we i never saw it coming until we were talking about it after the fact when her cell phone rings and she she's like hey i gotta take this and what I'm working I'm like working. she's talking yeah, on her, as she's <laughs> chained to a chair <laughs> and what happens in that moment and I didn't realize it until after is every single person who is watching that movie at that moment becomes a character in the room with her because every single one in the room with her thought they had the upper hand just like we thought they had the upper hand until that second yeah to see I'm working and then there were until the I'm working moment yeah. and then we're all all the people right. in the room with then, her and all of us right. are like wait what Yep. And all and of a sudden says, we're these, in the movie. These, <laughs> these idiots are giving me everything. And the yeah. guy's like, I, I'm, I'm not giving her everything. <laughs> 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 it's just like, damn, she it's was in charge so the clever. whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So clever. So, good. so clever. Yep. And that was one of the big scenes in the movie that I was waiting to experience 
A, experience it. I was fortunate mm-hmm. to see Avengers Endgame with Rob, so all the movies I missed, the connection I forgot, I was able to remember, I'm like, oh, is that one guy with the girl? What's that thing? And I'd be like, I thought he was with those guys. No, no, dude from the lab, and also he's got, and I'd be like, and I got to enjoy it so much, one of the best I thought they were in the channel. What's happening Yeah, But getting to watch A, watch that interrogation scene Knowing what was coming, I didn't just, and I had to hold it back, and to the point where she's like, I'm working. It was great. So I will say something. This is the moment you, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you won't be able to see this. Um, but uh, I, I collected all the photos that are being shown on the video cast right now of all the actors. Normally, Scott does that. Today, I did that. And it was difficult. Two things were quite difficult. To get enough photos of Chris Hemsworth with clothes on. I didn't, I, didn't want, I didn't want it to be shirtless. I, you know, I figured that was unfair. That was difficult. That doesn't sound very difficult to really anyone, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and finding a casual photo, either not a of Scarlett Johansson in uh, a costume or working, or in a gown or on a you know like dressed up because she's doing promotion or something. Almost impossible to find a casual yeah. photo of her. Uh, so that's why, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're watching, uh, that's why all of these are gorgeous because I tried, but there's. Not very many. And she's just photos. she's just so incredible incredible in this role. The, yeah, th- the three of them to job. me, uh, Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Scarlett Hansen, are just as a lifelong comic book fan could not believe mm-hmm. how how perfectly they captured. They didn't reinterpret the role as some other thing. I thought they were all just. And perfect. I think Rob made a really good point. I I would add Chris Hemsworth to that as he grew into yes. the Thor role, yes, yes, where yes. he finally found his rhythm and they found well, how to best use Thor: The Lost everything. World was just incredible. <laughs> In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. All right, let's talk about Jeremy Renner. Robbie, hit me. So you mentioned that pretty much anybody could have played Hawkeye. Yeah, and you're, you're probably right, because we don't get 
of any of the characters in all of their appearances so far, we don't get a lot of character growth from Jeremy Renner. The closest we get to that is in Infinity War and Endgame. Well, really Endgame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he becomes Ronan. So I'm looking forward to the the um, the Disney Plus series, the Hawkeye series. Oh, is series. there a series just, coming out? Yeah. Oh, just my God. To see, yeah, just to see it's him and it's Kate Bishop, the younger Hawkeye. Okay. And it'll be interesting to see if they if we can get some intimate growth from Jeremy Renner but pretty much he's a one story guy to be fair he, to he hasn't been given a whole lot to work with i mean i think no. he did very well all the things they gave him mm-hmm. he yes. did that very very well but he was not given the palette that chris hemsworth was given exactly. or that chris evans was he just didn't have as much to work with absolutely correct and and honestly the whole you know i'm a world class spy and agent all the good stuff Scarlett Johansson gets to do, right? right? I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, so, really interestingly, coming into this movie, Jeremy Renner basically went to Joss Whedon and said, you know what, you should kill Hawkeye off. Said so it's not going anywhere, and it could be a good tentpole for this movie, uh-huh. so you should probably just kind of kill him off. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, and now I'm hoping, you know, we did get some of the payoff in Infinity War and Endgame, right? Um, and maybe yep. we'll get some more in, in the Hawkeye series, but... That being said, Jeremy point. Renner did not slack, right? He did not no, take he did his not time and all. just, right? Okay, I mean, he did the working out as well. He trained with Olympic mm-hmm. um, archers just to get it down. And here's the interesting thing. Hawkeye is, of course, is ambidextrous, amazing. right? He can do anything with either hand. You yep. see him at sometimes left-handed. Yep. A lot of the time he's shooting right-handed. Jeremy Renner is left-handed. So he had to train really hard just to make do you it look have, Rob, natural. Do you have any idea why they would just not give the fucker a left-handed bow? Like, why would they go through that work? Because well, Hawkeye because, doesn't need it. Because the character doesn't need it. He's as good with either hand. That's part of the character. So oh, yeah. Jeremy Renner had to be good with any weapon in either hand. And and you see it, it comes both, and Black Widow does the same thing, right? But when they're fighting hand-to-hand, sometimes they get one hand locked out and they drop the knife into the other hand and they're able mm-hmm. to kind of mm-hmm. keep yeah, it's going. Yeah, a good fight. It's, That's a very good fight. It's the same idea. They're so well-trained that they're well-trained with either what? hand. Renner had to teach himself how to be right-handed. That's insane. And That's, what's insane um, for respect, me man. is, uh, I, I yeah. you guys have who have seen the show before may know I am not terribly sporty and I wasn't sporty because I wasn't allowed to play team sports because I have a congenital kidney defect, which means I was allowed to do archery in high school. So I did a lot of archery in high school. And oh, my goodness, it's very difficult to switch. It's so (laughs) difficult to switch. And it's sort of like sometimes actors learn to play the piano like one specific song so that they can have one close up where it pans down their body and they're playing. And I know that is incredibly difficult to do and make it look natural. And Mm -hmm. I feel like switching your your dominant hand in archery, especially if you haven't been an archer your whole life long. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's hard yeah. to do. It's I so impressive. Say, I'm excited about this miniseries because I, my comic book knowledge is a little fuzzy, but I think one of the very first miniseries was Wolverine, the four-issue Wolverine miniseries. It might have been the first that Marvel put out. Hawkeye miniseries was right on the heels of that. And I remember getting the Hawkeye miniseries and liking everything about it until they got to the part where a really good archer doesn't even need a bow and he starts throwing arrows and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, tap out. Before tap out, I was like, I'm like, ah, I love this series, but I'm tapping out. You cannot throw a fucking arrow, bro. It's not how that works. That is not how that works. I've oh. been hoping because what they did next with Hawkeye is they made him the leader of the new West Coast branch of the Avengers. Oh, sweet. And I was, yeah, I was, that was kind fun. of hoping that they might shift in that 
direction, and who knows? Maybe that's what the Hawkeye series is going to be about. Let's but, uh, uh, yeah. could be interesting be. to see. Let's uh, they they always want to expand properties to get more characters. In. Let's get on to, of course, Mr. Chris Evans, mm. who uh, I have a huge huge man crush on. <laughs> he did. He has America's girl. ass. I mean, he, come on. He, he, let's people and forget. We all know it. He was also the Human Torch. And yep. he, yeah, yeah. he and that's a that's a very different personality, although the physicality is basically identical, right? But he was when the, when the nurse is checking his temperature as Human Torch, he's like, "You're high." He's like, "Thank you, so are you." And like he just <laughs> he did such a good job, and he's very young. But when also he did Steve that. Rogers. Yeah, well, I mean, in in you know all that which, which was CGI. He, hey, Barry Bowers. He was also um, <laughs> in the in the parts of him when he was uber 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 skinny. Um, in as Steve Rogers, yep. he also you know wasn't a very very buff dude pretending to be like tiny and thin and the ninety eight pound weakling. Well. He actually yeah did did that. He was so empathetic and so sympathetic as that. 98 pound weakling that now you're like yes he does have america's yes yeah, he he really got to give i think we've got to give a lot of credit to kevin uh, feige feige, feige, feige. I think it's feige right feige sure <laughs> feige joe <laughs> kevin kevin joe feige, feige. <laughs> yes exactly right right we got to give a lot of credit to feige drinking water um for for you know since he was in fantastic 4 to give him even a shot to be Captain America. That's crazy. I never thought Marvel, about that. That's crazy. Marvel wanted to distance itself from those crappy Fox movies Terrible. as much as they Terrible could. Terrible movies. And to cast him in Captain America, the first Avenger, uh-huh. was not a home run that no. a lot of people thought it could be. We look back and say, well, who the hell else could have done it? But at the time, that took some balls. So no, I, I give Fiji Water a lot of, uh, a lot of credit I for think that. There's, yeah, for sure. I think there's several several actors, some we know, probably a bunch we don't, who could have done well at that role. But, I mean, just Chris Evans just absolutely crushed it. As yep. as a kid growing up reading comic yep. books, yep. when I think mm-hmm. of Captain America, I was like, it's almost like they 3D printed that dude. It's like that, like well, and and you say, with yeah. the 98-pound weakling stuff. Yeah. As an actual living 98 pound weakling uh i you know i was i was that was a 98 pounds but you know we my did. sophomore year of football and the only person under 100 pounds and he he captured that sub, sub sublime frustration mm-hmm. perfectly and we've seen that in other movies and i i don't even think it's worth naming like we've seen like this skinny there's a julia roberts movie where she's of course julia roberts but she plays a fat version of julia roberts in the in the future or the past or whatever and then it's gonna it's billy crystal in it and anyway uh a lot of times they are still their hugely confident i am the most gorgeous person on earth self their personality is the same gwyneth paltrow uh, did Shallow Hal with Shallow Jack Hal. Black, which was terrible. Yeah. And she, you know, so she bad. was, she was Gwyneth Paltrow in a foam rubber suit. She had all the confidence that a brilliant, yes. like a billionaire, yes. a millionaire, beautiful, all the surgery, all the workout, all the chefs, all the whatever. That and then she was pretending. Goop. Yeah, she was pretending to be, and and it didn't ring true. Now, if she wanted, I'm not talking about the politics of the movie, but she didn't seem like a real character. No. And Julia Roberts in the fat suit didn't really seem, and that was okay because it was little snapshots from the back in the day, you know, but she seemed fake. Chris 
Evans as Steve Rogers with yeah. all that CGI absolutely felt real. If to that me. was the first time you'd ever seen him, you would yeah. have thought that's what he looks like. That's why there's yeah, one of these photos. If you're, yeah, if you're watching this, uh, that photo, that's actually uh, Kate Bosworth. And he's in a movie with Kate Bosworth. And she just shared this recently. That's teeny tiny Chris Hemsworth before when he's a baby. with, And he's this skinny dude. You know, and that, that's before he went ape shit in the gym and went to work. Like yeah. I, it had to take I'm going to guess it had to take 18 months. Well, and here's the thing. This people the people say, you know, it, it, people like me, I, I am not saying this, but like normal people like me sometimes say like, well, sure, if I had all that, if I was getting paid to work out six hours a day in the gym, I'd look like look that, good. too. You and here's good. the thing. I will like be that. honest with you guys. If I was paying paid six hours to work out six hours a day in the gym, I'd get fired. I would not work out six hours a day. I just wouldn't do it, right? So there's something to be said. I know he got paid to do it. Right. He still put the work in. Let's talk about somebody who did not, who put in some time in the gym, but also was dressed in a costume the entire time. The engaging, incredibly charming Mr. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. And, you know, Tom Hiddleston comes from, um, he's a Brit and he is a well-trained stage actor. Mm -hmm. comes with an enormous amount of acting training for the stage, Shakespearean acting, film acting. I think he went to RADA, if I'm not wrong, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. I'm pretty sure he did. Or he I worked with the Stratford on Avon. Yeah. And then he is Loki in the <laughs> biggest of big Hollywood movies. And I think he did a terrific oh, he job. I think it. He crushed he, it. Yeah. He's also a really awesome, awesome human. So I think, uh, you know, there's something to be said. So many of the Avengers, the actual Avengers or the Avengers cast, I'll say, because he's, of course, not an Avenger, are really like mm, talented actors willing to work really hard, but also just they, this is a very cohesive group, and it works really well together. And I think the, uh, Tom Hiddleston is part of that, too. Uh, in the scene where Loki is wearing his full horn helmet and he gets hit by Thor, Tom Hiddleston and Excuse me. Tom Hiddleston told Chris Hemsworth that since the horns weigh almost 30 pounds, oh he was gosh. having trouble selling the hit. And so he suggested that Chris hit him in the face for real. And regretted it almost instantly. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Okay. When Robert Downey Jr. texts me and says, Sig, we're doing this. Let's go. The answer is yes. When it's like, Chris Hemsworth wants to punch me in the face. No. Well, you no, know, I did, no. I did Summerstock uh, in 1990. I was in some, one year. I did Summerstock one year. And I did a show called uh, The Trojan Women. And I played Cassandra. And Cassandra in Greek mythology is insane because she sees the future and nobody will believe her that that she's seeing the future. And, so uh, it was typecasting? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and uh, I had a similar moment to this where somebody, Hecuba, uh, is supposed to come up and like smack some sense into me. Uh -huh. And it just wasn't working, wasn't working, wasn't working. And I was like, okay, Laura, just hit me. Just hit me. I'll 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 Oof. turn with you, but mm. just hit me. And she did, and I forgot all of the rest of my lines. <laughs> <laughs> she knocked them right out of your head. And, and, and then literally, she just kept repeating her line, and I was like, maybe if we stay. Oh, and right. I said out loud, maybe if we stay here, we'll all die. However. Can I also, there's also another part that Hiddleston gets right. His hair, at all times, looks greasy. And yeah. I don't I don't know what it is. It's it's like a natural thing for him, but it's just it's, it's a, just like a grease helmet. It matches and the he comic still books. looks good, but yep. it's just like 
it's like perfect for Loki because yeah. he's a little bit slimy. He's very slimy. Yeah, and I mentioned this. perfect. <laughs> it's so good. And I mentioned this a little earlier. You know, Loki doesn't have the... He is of Asgard. He doesn't have the requirement that he has to be hugely buff or whatever. But uh, as, as Loki grows up in the MCU, he does <coughs> change. His physicality changes. He gets a little bit bulkier. He gets a little bit like snarkier and sassier. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, he's great because he is exactly the villain he will become but he he's not the full realized version of loki and i mm-hmm. think that that's right so if you're a person like me who's not terribly familiar with the comics you totally get that he's a villain even though he's likable and funny in some ways and attractive and all that sort of right. stuff okay uh, so let's just move on Can so we sam jackson yeah, yeah. Like, and then of course it's it's almost impossible to do a story smack without <laughs> talking about Samuel Jackson because he is, by definition, the biggest box office star mm-hmm. of all time. There, right. this, Isn't that this amazing? Human, this human being we're looking at right now, if you're watching the live cast, if you're on the podcast, you can look this up yourself. This man is the biggest box office star in the history of humankind. His movies have made more money than any other actor. Rob, tell us about Mr. Samuel Jackson. Well, and it's because of kind of a a chance phone call that he got into the MCU, which of course is what has raised his earning potential to where it is. So um, back in the early 2000s, Marvel Comics launched something called the Ultimate Universe, right? Started with Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate X-Men, eventually turned into the Ultimates, which was the Avengers, all right? And so it was a chance to kind of relaunch a universe, a separate universe, make it grittier, darker, a little bit more realistic, but start everybody from scratch. Now, the... Um, Nick Fury that Scott and I grew up with looked a lot more like I did at the Looks beginning. Looks a lot right? like Rob right, right now. Yep. L- little, little gray mm-hmm. around the edges, the yep. eye patch. He was uh, in <laughs> World War II leading the Howling Commandos, right? I mean, geez, Hasselhoff played him in a movie, for what God's sake, all right? So, but for the Ultimates, they're like, we don't, we don't have to use the same dude. Let's change it up. And, and the writers started talking about, I want a guy more like Samuel L. Jackson to be my Nick Fury. And so they said, well... Why don't we actually make him look like Samuel L. Jackson in the comic book? So they call Samuel L. Jackson and say, hey, can we use your image? Now, I imagine there was possibly some monetary uh, backing of that as well. But so for this Ultimate Universe, which actually a lot of the MCU is based off of, Samuel L. Jackson looks like Nick Fury because Nick Fury looks like Samuel L. Jackson. So then when they decide to end the po- add the post credit scene to Iron Man where mm-hmm. Nick Fury shows up, they were kind of like, you know, it'd be funny. We should get Samuel L. Jackson to play Nick Fury now, now that he looks like him in the comic books. And that was it. That whole thing, all of these, you know, billion dollar movies starring <laughs> Samuel Jackson came because he took a phone call from a comic book company that says, hey, we want to make one of our characters look like you. That's insane. That's it. That's how he gets the role. And of course, he's the glue. Yeah, he of holds course. everything together mm-hmm. is the reason they all come together. This is his idea. And without Samuel Jackson, you know. Having the gravitas to control all these different people, right? But because he's not, he's not super powered. It's not like he can go toe to toe with Thor. It's nothing but attitude. With with any one of them, he couldn't go toe to toe. And yet, they have to at some point. They start off distrusting him because he's the spy cap, right? Mm. But eventually, you find out as the additional movies go on, he really is in it for the best of everybody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they start trusting him, and that's why things work the way that they do. So and Samuel Jackson, that's 
that's where it all came from. And it's such it's an interesting out. thing because there are so many actors in that could have done that role, but oh. um, Sam yeah. Jackson brings the right um, uh, spiciness to it. I'll say, yeah. you know, like yeah, we could I'd have agree. had we could have had uh, Sam Elliott would yep. maybe have made that work. Yeah, Sam Shepard, uh, if he was still alive, could have done that. Um, Denzel Washington would have brought a different yep, vibe to it. That's a good point, babe. Michael Freeman. You get, Rob, or, uh, you get uh, Robert Redford. Freeman. Yeah. You get Robert Redford in Civil War. He yep. would have been a great mm -hmm. version Morgan of Freeman Fury. coming would have been a gentle caring. But but what you need is for Nick Fury to be like, yeah, no, I know they're all superheroes, but I know how to handle them. And it's mm -hmm. a pain in my ass, but I can handle them. Like that sass of his and that willingness to be the bad guy for the superheroes like yeah I, mm -hmm. I you're gonna have to figure it out what are you gonna do now you know kind of yeah. kind of attitude is so incredibly good for nick fury for pe especially for people who know nothing there's about a, the there's a there's a a subtext in samuel jackson's performance where he knows he's dealing with people that could murder him on yeah, the drop yeah, of yeah. a hat. Yeah, that's, that's actually the best it, way to say that. And, and yet he also is, he's running interference. He's he's doing all of this patience. He's like, these people are all a walking natural disaster. But one of the, it's not in the script. It's just in the performance. Watching him be like, I have to clear a path for this person to figure out how they are going to be successful yeah. mm -hmm. for benefiting mm -hmm. All of humankind. And it's all, it's in nothing but the motherfucker's face. He does yeah, it all yeah, in yeah, his yeah. face and his voice. And it's staggering. His talent is just unbelievable. And there are several uh, pieces of the Avengers uh, admin team. I don't know what to call them. Nick Fury is the big one. Um, mm -hmm. But Agent Paulson is another one where yep. they understand that they are up against things that the people that they will never compete with. I mean, Nick Fury can give you a run for your money, but if the Avengers turn against Fury, it's over. And he knows that. And uh, Agent Paulson, even less so. Like, he knows he's going into this room with a huge amount of skills, none of which will protect him if they turn on him. Yep. You know, none of which. And yet, they both are, of these guys are, are trying to save the world. You know, both Fury, of those guys are willing to do Fury it. Fury and Coulson, played by Clark Gregg, and a wonderful mm -hmm. job, because he's really the only other one that's in all the movies until, yeah. well, about halfway through this one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're good cop, bad cop. Yeah. That, oh, that, yeah. That's what that's that's what they are. Fury's the bad cop. Coulson Good point. smooths out the edges. Yep. And when they needed something to bring them together, Coulson even did that. Yeah. yeah. And come yeah, on. Yeah, that's yeah. just it's again. Listen, you're totally we right. Joss Whedon a lot of crap and he deserves a lot of crap because Show. he's inconsistent and he does some really stupid stuff. This was not inconsistent. No. This was not stupid. No. It was extremely well written, extremely well acted, extremely well directed, and extremely well edited. And I got to give him credit for yeah. that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And he, absolutely. He's, he's the puppet master behind this. Yep. I mean, this movie, as A pointed out at the beginning of this, made five times the the budget of a how much was it a two hundred and ten million was it was two hundred and twenty million dollars budget million. and it made no, one point five billion dollars help me with the math baby. is that cannot, seven times I cannot that's an enormous that's a very it's a big multiple seven seven times seven times seven times for a two hundred twenty million dollar movie huge it's budget seven oh, times right. one of the most yeah. expensive movies easily a top yeah. ten most expensive movie of all time to make seven times return on that budget 
is that you have to lay that credit at the hands of the director at the yep. end of the day. Gotta, well, yes, but also Kevin Feig, I think. I think there is something yeah. to be said because while this movie was wildly successful and uh -huh. wildly, wildly, wildly um, building for the MCU, you absolutely have to give credit to uh, uh, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Because they made characters that would last. And that is, I, I am completely a novice with comics, but I would say part of the issue with uh, MCU being MCU and DC having trouble getting getting the same foothold is Jack Kirby and Stanley always wrote characters that could, at the end of the day... Uh, hold their head high and that doesn't always happen in the in like dc seems a little bit darker to me and so maybe they don't last as the world gets more oh, woke that, for lack of a better phrase let's, you know? let's talk about that for just a moment that dc being darker mm. is completely <laughs> a brand new yep. thing that oh, began yeah, with, well began and i don't with, know began with the dark knight which is one of the, the one of the tentpole properties that put DC sort of like back back into competition with Marvel. Marvel, ha, it, it, as far as writing goes and characters goes, had kind of ruled the roost because DC heroes, by and large, were basically squeaky clean Clark Kent, Superman type type people. Right. Marvel had the Peter Parkers, the guys who couldn't pay their own rent. They they, they had a completely different thing. And the real life problem. Well, that's that what this is the point I'm making. Like the the, yeah. the the MCU characters are people like us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the the DC characters are not necessarily people like us. And, and I'm not saying that that's good or bad. What I'm saying is that doesn't travel well as well as we are traveling through this now future where we're also questioning our own what how we grew up, what we learned, why we learned it. Yep. That Marvel and Jack Kirby and Stan Lee's work, especially Stan's Lee, Stan Lee's work, carries that way. But I will say it's a huge thing also. I know they made a $1.51 billion, but uh, Kevin Feig also made absolutely two oh, he's bonafide huge he's a, stars he's royalty. out of Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't have gotten the status they have now. I'm not saying they wouldn't ever get it. They wouldn't have gotten it in 2012 or 2013 at, unless Kevin Feig had pushed right. for that and made them who they were, I think. Let's, Let's also, we got to give props to John Favreau, who directed the first Iron Man movie yep, and Robert yep. Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. too. Those two launched the for whole sure, thing. For sure. And that's when Feig started saying, you know what, this this could work. This mm -hmm. might work. For sure. And For sure. he was patient enough to build the five movies up before bringing them all together, which is something DC did not do. Mm -hmm. And you won't say it, A, but I will. That's why those are shitty movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't say because I'm less familiar. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure that had that was a fight in a whole bunch of boardrooms, a whole yeah, bunch sure of boardrooms. You yep. let's just put out this movie. We need the money. We put out this stinker. Let's put this. And he's like, no, we can't. Yep. You got Iron Man. Now let's do the Avengers. Yeah. Oh, nope. 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 Wait, nope. Patient. Nope. Be patient. Yeah. Yeah. And Kevin, Feige, getting out of the finding talented people to do a job, getting the fuck out of their way, giving them mm -hmm. some guidance. But like, clearly, Joss Whedon, you get what we're trying to do. Letting the man, letting the people create their thing and go from there. Let's go into. And having an overall vision that you make sure everything else fits in. That's the point I'm making about uh, Stanley and. Stanley and uh, Jack Kirby too. They okay. did that their whole yep. career as well. Uh, let's let's all go over a couple of uh, a couple of esoteric key points about the movie, and then we'll start riding our way out of the sunset. Robbie, what do you? What's your favorite other thing about the movie besides there's there's a great anecdotal story about Chris Evans and a you talked about how this how well this 
crew and cast work together, especially the actors, the mm-hmm. main, main actors, the six or seven, eight of them, you know, if you count, you know, Maria Hill and, and Nick Fury and stuff. So mm-hmm. this was shot over seven months in multiple locations, not only just in the U.S., but some oh, of them yeah. were international locations, right? So very rarely was the whole main cast in the same city at the same time. Okay. But just so happened that one of the very few times that it happened, um, they were on a group text and Chris Evans just texted assemble <laughs> and they all got together and went out and had a night on the town. together. <laughs> the, whole, the whole cast did. And that was the whole text. And I mean, that's. You know, Incredible. you talk about if Robert Jr. Downey Jr. says, uh, hey, let's do this. You're in. Yep. Chris Evans texts me and says, assemble. I'm, in. I'm, I, I'm not even I'm not even changing clothes. I'm out yeah. the damn door. Right? I'm, I'm going to be putting on my shoes as I leave the for, door going for, like, for, where, yeah. where, where? For, from my perspective, there's a, there's a few authors that I'm friends with and then a few authors are sort of next level. But let's say there's some crazy writer's room where it's like me. Pierce Brown, Stephen King, fucking Robin Cook, like anybody, and then like Robin Cook just texts, "Assemble." You're like, "Fuck, where we're going out? <laughs> we're James, we're Michael Crichton just texting. We're going out and getting hammered. Let's go. Let's, I'm in." And like, even though he is Chris Evans, you know, like he must have had that moment. Like Chris Evans must have called his he boys like from this. back in high school and been like, like, "If I don't get a night drinking with all of these A-list stars, you guys mm-hmm. will never let me live it down." And he just had to make it happen. I also think there was a moment maybe where Chris Evans was like, a little moment, like, "Okay, just send it, just send it, just <laughs> assemble." Just yeah, it, it probably okay, started I'm out it. as, "I'm sending it." Hey, I looked at the call sheet, and it turns out we're all in town. You guys want to have dinner? And then he went, "Delete, delete, delete, yeah. delete," and just said, "Assemble." I mean, yeah. Oh. yeah. It's incredible. All right. One of my one of my final notes is uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is much taller than Robert Downey Jr. She's barefoot in all of her scenes in Stark Tower while Downey (laughs) is in platform shoes. So he looks taller than her. I personally, as you know, as a short guy, I think this time has passed. I actually think there's a new thing going around where, um, gosh, who is a, who is one of the Spider Men? I'm doing a terrible uh, job. Uh, uh, there's a there's a one of the Spider Men actors who's also dating Lord Zendaya Rings, now is dating a woman who's taller than him, mm-hmm. and like it's a social media thing. Tom but something. when you look at the pictures of this dude who's got his arm around this gorgeous, very talented human being, you can see he's just like, it doesn't matter if I'm short. I'm this dude and this chick sees this in me. And we're Tom here. Holland. Tom Tom Holland doesn't give a goddamn <laughs> he's four inches shorter than this person he is dating. And I think that is something that I would like to start getting away from in movies because, to be honest with you, if you're a short guy dating a taller woman, that's even more swagger think, than a tall guy dating a woman. And I think we're starting to see a little bit more of that. We're starting to see, like, not the, you know, the, the high school quarterback falls in love with the geeky, fat nerd girl just because he's did it on a dare and then she turns out to be cool. Like, we're we're starting to see well, stories. Yeah, she took in, her glasses and then ponytail <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but we're starting to actually see uh, things like that. And, you know, I would argue that um, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You might have been the start of that, which I know is probably going to get a lot of hate from the 90s, the Keith, uh, Heath Ledger, um, Julia Stiles movie, which mm-hmm. is based Ten on a Shakespeare play. I hate play. about that movie. <laughs> yeah, there's zillions of things to hate, but, you know, it, it was more... You know, there wasn't the Julia Stiles was, of course, pretty was, of course, but she wasn't like he wasn't the jock and she wasn't the high school nerd. And they got, you know, so I think we're getting more of that. And we're getting stories where 
uh, people are people and worthy of love and all that other stuff. I will say normally um, the thing that I want to bring up, which is normally the thing that Rob brings up oh, at the end boy. of the show, which is our, the body count in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> because this is a Disney movie, you yeah. guys. And there are 151 sentients who die during this movie. And I think Incredible. that's fascinating. And it's a, a low movie. body count for Avengers movies, too. It gets way worse. All right, we're finished up. Let's just point out because it is a... This is straight eye candy from beginning to end from all the people and all the hard work they did in their bodies, all the costuming, all the special effects. This is what's staggering. The Avengers had over 2,200 visual effects shots created by 14 different companies. 2,200 different effects shots that the studio paid for so that the movie could be all it could be. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. Rob, any last thoughts? I, and then you've got to give the actors credit because how often were they acting when the thing they were interacting with it's, was not exist, physically yeah. with them? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I have no acting background at all. A couple of little things in high school, but like to think about you to give those performances from the green screen. Baby, you're a trained actress. Like how oh, hard dude. must that be? Uh, I'll tell you, I went to I have a theater degree and I spent three semesters at the American Academy of Dramatic Art. And I still can't flip and take a cell phone photo and look at the goddamn camera. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very hard is my point <laughs> all right all right if we're getting to the last thing i think we, we should, should quickly mention the last thing in the movie the post-credit scene okay. where they're eating shawarma right yep so that was again the whole shawarma line another ad lib by robert downey jr Right. And that they added in later. But they added that scene in while they were doing the press junkets. So all of them were in town okay. at once. And um, Chris Evans had already gotten a buzz cut and grown a full beard to be in the movie Snowpiercer. OK. Right. And so when they're doing that scene, you'll have to look at it again. He's sitting with his hand covering the whole side of his face Get because out. he has like a he has like a. a, a, a extra level of chin put on so that it covers his beard and he's wearing uh, a Chris Evans Captain America wig <laughs> his buzz cut right and so you'll notice he's the only one that's not eating he's the only one that's not eating and that's the reason why so that yeah. was again something that came up that they added in that everybody loves it because it's another point of character that you see it's, all these people it's, get along. It's got to be the strongest scene I've ever seen where there is roughly $3 billion worth of box office actors in the scene and mm -hmm. nobody says anything. And nobody but, says a word. word. But I do think that this was also uh, for Kevin Feig to have um, whoever did all the work of like, no, we got to wait. It's not time. It's not time. It's not time. It's not time for the Avengers. It's, trust me. This is the, this is one of the ways that they did that, because th this is I think the MCU is the only the only movies that I will wait for. You know, I don't care. I'll look it up online afterwards and get it from yeah, if okay. anybody else does anything sneaky in the credits. I'm like, whatever. But I'll just sit there the whole time now with the MCU. Mm hmm. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, especially when they got 14 companies with special effects with each 700 people working. Exactly. It takes a long time to get to them damn post credit scenes. So I think that that <laughs> finishes this week's Story Smack for you guys. I'm so glad you joined us. Uh, now we do Story Smacks on the second Saturday of every month, the second Saturday only of every month. The next mm -hmm. one is August 14th, the second Saturday of August. We will be discussing any yeah. given Sunday. Sun. Uh, yes. In anticipation 
anticipation of the NFL season kicking off on August 21st. Oh my God. I can't wait. I can't. I am urinating on myself for, wow. for NFL, for the NFL week, for once again, deluding myself into thinking that my Detroit Lions might be turning a corner and actually doing something with a franchise made of dismal. So I'm allowing myself to be duped Did into you? thinking something might actually happen. And NFL's coming in any given Sunday is spectacular. It's a spectacular football movie. I'm excited. And uh, if any of you are watching because you are a fan of Scott's GFL and not necessarily a fan of football, any given Sunday is also for you. It's a, a similar thing. If you're a fan of Al Pacino, doesn't matter what he's doing in this movie. It's you're so, still so a, a fan good. of Al Pacino. Everybody's yeah. good in this. Everybody's good in this. Uh, Robbie, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think we are done for the day with you. I hope you have a great, great, great weekend. And we'll see you on, uh, well, we'll see you before that, but we'll see you on August 14th here again. Hey, Sigler. Assemble. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, bro. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. See ya. Bye. All right, baby. Close us out. Okay, that is it for episode 73 of Story Smack. You can find Scott and I online. Scott is at Scott Sigler on Twitter and Instagram, and his Facebook is facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. I am at a real girl on Twitter and at a dot real dot girl on Instagram. And you can find us online at facebook.com slash Scott slash Story Smack, which sometimes I update. I'm very behind on that. We live stream Story Smack every other Saturday. Uh, once a month on Saturday. Oh, sorry. So, we, we live stream it the second Saturday Story Smack Scott Sigler the six S's it's sort of easy to remember at twitch.tv slash Scott Sigler youtube.com slash Scott Sigler and facebook.com slash Scott Sigler come join us hang out in the chat room we'd love to have you and of course in addition to Story Smack uh, we do a once weekly live stream called Sigler in Place on Wednesdays at 6pm right here where you're watching this until this whole crazy time is over and we release an unabridged episode of a serialized podcast novel every week you get episodes for free unabridged serialized fiction from a fancy pants New York Times bestselling author every Sunday via iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more. Just go to scottsigler.com slash subscribe for the links. And last, Scott hosts a rad Friday late afternoon Twitch stream where he talks pop culture monsters and you can catch it on twitch.tv slash scottsigler and you should absolutely and check it out. And you are just hearing this, our very first guest in the show is going to be New York Times bestselling author Jonathan Mayberry and you heard it here first, Jonathan Mayberry's favorite monster that we're going to talk about is the werewolves from Dog Soldiers. Oh, that is what we're going to be talking about for at least 30 minutes, and then we'll see where it goes from there. We do hope you subscribe so that you can hear Scott's books, more story snacks, Sigler in Place, and Jonathan Mayberry talking about monsters, and uh, all sorts of goodness in the future. Until the next episode, we will talk to you all real, real soon. soon. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.